Hello, Celia Jessen here. Today's episode is all about communication, but first it's time for our theme tune, written by our neighbour's son Oliver on his tablet. Oh, welcome to our book club. It's going to be such fun, with book reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, where's my mobile phone? It's there atop the freezer. Grab it, because this episode's concerned with social media. Oh, crikey, all that Facebook stuff I really can't endorse. I really do prefer a more old-fashioned intercourse. Fred, oh, listen, listen to our book club, club and you, you can, can judge its worth. We taped it in the library, and, and it's called, called Wife, Wife on, on Earth. Earth. Fred, shh, it's called Wife on Earth. Welcome to Wife on Earth, the communication episode, our podcast about books, recorded here at Milton Library. There are four people drinking cider near the lift today, but we're nicely hidden in local history. Today we're going to be looking at modern forms of communication, ACA, social media, and whether or not they're any good or just plain old silly or dangerous. By the way, the first episode seems to have gone down very well of our podcast, I've had several supportive messages and emails. Mrs. Coyle sent a postcard with a picture of the Eden Valley on it, saying she'd borrowed her nephew's iPod and tried to download the episode, but she'd clicked on the wrong thing and accidentally ended up with something about chemsex, whatever that might be, but she'd quite enjoyed it. So thanks for that, Mrs. Coyle. And I also had an email from a man called Martin Flask of Edmonton who wrote, I enjoyed your programme very much. I am an author myself and wondered if in a future episode you could cover my own unpublished novel, a murder mystery set at the time of the Boxer Rebellion, in which all the characters are hair lice. I will certainly bear you in mind, Mr Flask, and thank you for your kind words. Today we're investigating communication, and the book we'll be reviewing is Ten Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now by Jaron Lanier. Lanier? Well, in the name of journalism, I joined Twitter four days ago so that I could talk about it with authority, but I've forgotten both my handle and password, and I haven't read Twitter in all that time. I'm sure I wrote my password down somewhere. Well, hopefully by the end of today's episode, I'll have found my social media presence, so I'll be able to leave it again if Mr Lanier's book works. So, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now by Jaron Lanier. Now, I found this book fascinating. When Mr. Lanier started the internet, him and his friends knew there would be a social element and decided to leave that aspect of the internet to the entrepreneurs. Well, sure enough, as an American, such as Mr. Lanier might say, they did do just that, but made such a terrible hash of it, according to Mr. Lanier, that they need to shut it down and start again immediately. Well, I don't know how on earth that would happen. I'm not sure how anything that's... Not an actual building or thing gets shut down. Gosh, everything seems so complicated these days, doesn't it? Well, maybe Facebook could ask MySpace for advice on how to shut themselves down. But I don't even know if they know each other. Or really, what they are. Never mind. Before we bumble forward in our episode today about technology and communication, a quick word from our sponsors. Bob Knight's Courier Service. Bob Knight is a long way from home. Bob Knight's £50 charge for a 50-mile radius delivery service. Thank you. Still to come, chat rooms versus summer houses. My husband Fred goes viral in a good way, and my first lol. 
You're listening to Wife on Earth, communication episode, with me, Celia Jessen. I'm just an ordinary woman. Now let's have our first Jaron Lanier book review with local famous actor, he really needs no introduction, Russell Nigels. Chicken, chicken, grand opening. Two boneless bargain buckets for the price of one. Chicken, chicken, grand opening. It's two bargain buckets for the price of one. Hello, sir. May I interest you in some... Okay, as you were. Fine. Oh, hello there. You've caught me indulging in a little publicity work. Not what I'd prefer to be doing, of course, but hey-ho. It's not all playing Dr. Faustus at the Haymarket before an adoring audience. Even the greats of the business have sunk to such things. Let me tell you, Ian McKellen... Sir Ian, as is known to those outside of the theatrical circle. Well, he might be a Hollywood big shot these days, but when I knew him, he was a second-tier beef-eater at the Wimpy in Fulham Road. Not even the star beef-eater. That was Simon Callow. More girth, Callow once confided in me. No, no, McKellen just filled in for him on Sunday nights. But I digress. Um, Cecilia has asked me to peruse this tome about the internet. Now, I must confess to being something of a Luddite in such matters. Don't do Facebook, don't do Instagram, or whatever it's called. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I, I stay right away, stay right away from the Twitter. Oh, good God, don't do Twitter. No, 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 oh, people left, right and centre are twittering this, are tweeting that. Oh, I think this. No, 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 Twitter can be a very dangerous thing. I mean, you just have to look what happened to old Johnny Cleese. Dear, dear Johnny, that was a mistake, wasn't it? Got to be very careful what you say, or that's it. Boom! Career over! Happened to a friend of mine. He's a, a, a lovely chap as well, Terry Clitheroe. Um, you, you might remember him, actually. Uh, he, he, he was from the old Bird's Eye Steakhouse advert. Quite a hit in the day. He was the third labourer on the left. Anybody? No? Anybody? Third labourer? Anyway, not to worry. I must say, I must say, best Polonius I have ever seen, but b- b- by, by a distance. Anyway, anyway, so Terry, he happened to go on Twitter and he um, commented, well, he tweeted, that's what they do, they tweeted. He tweeted and commented in a light-hearted sort of way about what an extraordinary number of Chinese car park attendants there seems to be about these days. I mean, I don't want to go into the, whether I agree with that. No, 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 that's not the point. The result, instant cancellation. Blacklisted, even at Pontins. No, no, that's an achievement in itself. Tragic, really. Now, one thing which many actors do online is ego-surf. This is where you uh, Google your own name to see what comes up. All actors, no matter how famous, do this. Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Bobby De Niro. Um, though, of course, sometimes one sees something one would rather forget. So if you search for Russell Nigels, for example, you get a black American football player with the same name, another actor called Nigel Russell, which is very irritating, and I'm sorry to say, a newspaper report on my conviction for outraging public decency at Croydon Crown Court back in 1957. Long time ago. Let things lie. Now, the author of this book seems to have a very dim view of the internet, but it's not all doom and gloom in the online world. 
The internet provides a good deal of work for actors who cannot find employment elsewhere, from YouTube adverts to providing the voices for online video games. You can hear me appear briefly as Corinthian the Diseased Goblin in the Swords of Purgatory game. Not played it myself, but I'm told it's a veritable hit with the young ones. Now, some of my friends in the business even earn a crust as cam boys, performing sexual acts on camera for the delectation of observers who pay for the privilege. Of course, I myself would never do such a thing. One must have standards. And like I say, 1957 is a long time ago. Now then, uh, we should never forget that the internet is a dangerous place. It's a cyber jungle. A cyber jungle. Lots of robots pretending to be people. So do beware. Let me tell you, a friend of mine was fooled by an algorithm pretending to be a Swedish air hostess. And he was very distraught when he found out. But he soon forgave her. And now I believe they are married. So congratulations to them. In summary, I would like to say that, 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 that I, I like this book and I agreed with much of what it said. Anyway, time is money. Must get back to work. Bye-bye. Chicken, chicken, grand bing. Two boneless bargain buckets for the price of one. Cheeky chicken, excuse me, sir. Thank you, Russell Nigels. You're listening to Wife on Earth with me, Celia Jessen. And I'm joined now by Chief Librarian Marianne Cooks. Marianne, what did you think of the book? Has the internet made life harder for libraries? No, not really. Um, I mean, obviously, people used to have to come to us for information and now they can just get it at home. But what you have to remember is that online information isn't always accurate. That's very true. Last night, Fred was looking up Rommel and Wikipedia said he was born in Middlesbrough. No, that's accurate, actually. But on the whole, you're right. Uh, The online world has led to a thing called the Mandela Effect. Oh, gosh, what's that? Well, it's where people believe things happened that didn't like this woman who thought that Nelson Mandela had just died in prison. Um, Some people think it's, it's evidence of parallel worlds, but I think it's just evidence of people not paying attention. Well, last week I got confused and thought the new supermarket on the industrial estate was a Waitrose, not a Morrison's. Is that an example of the Mandela effect? No, that, that's just wishful thinking. Well, I think you could be right. Marianne, thank you. And now it's my turn for my book review on 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now by Jaron Lanier. Well, all this talk about technology has got me thinking. The technology that we have in our daily lives is the television. And my preferred method of communication is, is, well, is posting a letter at the post office, which is relatively trouble-free, except it's not always. You see, I had a bit of a tricky episode just last Monday. I'll tell you all about it by reading to you from my diary. Monday. Our television license only has two and a half months to go before it expires, so I thought I'd better renew it. Wearing my new headscarf, it's from Coventry Cathedral, I set off to the post office through Laburnum World. I saw and waved at Margaret and Mrs Coyle. She really is terrifically ugly. Her hair is a sort of claret colour, her coat decidedly lumpen, and two dozen toilet rolls were clearly visible through her giant plastic bag. Really, she didn't seem the least bit bashful about it. Arrived at Thicket Post Office in good time. There was quite a queue and I waited in turn. 
I looked at all the leaflets on display. I do find them fascinating. All those tick boxes and official-looking betting shop biros and that bit of old sponge to help you turn the pages. The whole thing gives me wild aspirations to become a secretary, which is, of course, a nonsense. I decided to have a look in my handbag while I waited. Usual detritus lay that in. One travel cruet, spur emergency girdle, mini mahjong, a magnifying glass, a magnet with pins on it, a backamac, four crowns and a doodle pad, ice by of trees, a toffee hammer, and a mint. And tucked away, I found one of those Christmas cracker toys from last year, where you make a funny profile with a wobbly piece of chain under a glass disc. And I chose to do a lady with a weak chin. It was silly of me, I know, but it looked like Mrs. Coyle, which made me laugh. Feeling very pleased with myself for having such fun in an everyday queue, I looked up and saw that I had reached the front. Cashier number three, please. Cashier number three. Cashier number three. At first I didn't see his face. He was leaning to pick up a stamp or have a bite of a sandwich or who knows what. When he turned, and the twinkliest eyes I've ever seen... Well, I know it sounds silly... But they looked at me. Yes. I need a television licence. Name? Celia. Celia Jessen. Miss or Mrs. What could he possibly mean? I think he was trying to make love to me. I felt myself blushing. I wanted to shout, does it matter? Next you'll be asking me where I live. I felt hysterical. Cashier number three. He was like an exhibit of the brave worker behind glass. Not unlike the cruel Christmas cracker toy which I'd rattled about so gaily only moments before. But his was a much stronger jawline and a quite pronounced proboscis. Miss or Mrs. What could I say? That I was a Mrs. but when I looked into his twinkling eyes I felt like a Miss? The whole situation was impossible. And then I began to laugh. I laughed and I laughed. My face pressed up against the glass as I twirled a blue pen around my fingers like a coquettish majorette. I looked up and saw that he was pressed against the glass too, laughing with me like a clown in a scary film, but handsome and dashing with his bone structure and his noble conch. Would you like to step through into the sorting office and dance with me? Dance with a stranger in a sorting office? What woman hadn't dreamt of that? But I couldn't. No, I couldn't possibly. And then suddenly he lifted me over the counter and we were gliding across the floor. You dance like an angel. Do you love working here very much? I do. Isn't it jolly? Which do you prefer, first or second? First, of course. Me too. And then he showed me something. It's a large packet. Go on. Well, it's A4. I don't understand. The new system. Depends on size now, you see. Depth and length. Not just weight. I'm afraid you've lost me. Will there be anything else? Modern life is so terribly confusing. Will there be anything else? There is a queue, you know. And suddenly I was back at the front of the queue, holding my new television licence. I ticked the box marked Mrs., and it had been successfully processed by a cashier number three. No, I said, there won't be anything else. Mrs. Coyle was shouting about her dole money to cashier number two, and cashier number four was using a pie chart and a graph to outline the difference between recorded, special delivery and next day, while I hurried home, licence in hand. Fred met me in the hall. He looked ashen. Was it possible he'd heard about my moment of madness with cashier number three? Darling, I plugged in the television and it exploded. Oh, I replied, not really committing one way or the other. I suppose I'll just have to play Sudoku. Oh, Fred, 
as you sit there now playing Sudoku and listing numbers in a sort of drone. I open my bag, planning to have a clear out. And there, upon the cheaper Christmas cracker toy, is the profile of cashier number three. His square jaw and chiselled hooter under that familiar glass disc, with his chain in perfect place. Then, with one shake of my wrist, he's gone. And I'm back home, Fred. Back home to you. And the next line is one gap eight. It's three, Fred. It's cashier number three. It'll always be cashier number three. And that concludes my book review. And now another word from our sponsors. Does your daughter want a career in show business? Then send her to the Hermione Boswell Stage School in Market Picton, where we take students from seven to eighteen. For over forty years, we have been teaching the performing arts to young women, and our alumni include such luminaries as Grot Bags, that woman from EastEnders, you know, the one who plays the barmaid, Billy Piper's stunt double from Doctor Who, and Connie, the AOL hologram. We also teach a full-time academic program. But let's face it, who needs that? When you're raking it in in Hollywood, you won't need to know a load of rubbish about fractions and oxbow lakes. At the Hermione Boswell School, we study a number of important disciplines, including singing, modern dance, mime, horsey riding, deportment. Red carpet walking, acceptance speech etiquette, and tit tape. One o one. Before you know it, little Annabelle will be treading the boards in Matilda, and you'll be living on Easy Street, Kushti, the Hermione Boswell School. Enroll today. You're listening to Wife on Earth podcast communication, a sideways glance at social media, recorded here at Milton Library. If you nip down to our popular culture slash psychology section, you'll find today's book, Ten Arguments, sorry for deleting your social media accounts right now,、uh, under L A N for Jaron Lanier.、Uh, you see, I've made the terrible mistake of not researching how to say his name, and、uh, Marion Crooks just come over to me glaring furiously. It's Jeron, oh dear, Jeron Lanier, not Jaron Lanier. Embarrassing. Oh dear. All right, let's move on. Time for Fred's review. Good day. Now, I was willing to agree with the author of this book that it would be a very good idea to leave social media. Unfortunately, I am not on any social media. So, for the purposes of this review, I decided to join the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Tinder for a week and report back on my findings. Monday, I make my first ever post on the Facebook, an innocuous enough comment on the popular Toxborough of yesteryear notice board. In which I bemoan the closing of Horridge's shoe shop in the High Street in 1991 and replacement with a branch of Boots the Chemist. My point being that there is already a chemist shop in the village, Tonkin and Sons, whereas I now have to travel all the way to Thicket on the Wold in order to purchase replacement bootlaces. 
Within minutes, I receive a reply from a professed fellow local going by the name Dickie Dido, almost certainly a pseudonym, informing me that I am wrong and that it was Sturridge's Health Food Emporium that was replaced by Boots. Horridge's being the establishment on Wellington Road that was replaced by a branch of John Menzies and is currently a vape shop. Now, I think I know my Horridge's from my Sturridge's, thank you very much, so I reply very politely to Mr Dido, informing him that he is mistaken, perhaps understandably given the similarity between the two names. I am sorry to report that Mr Dido replies very quickly. Now, I don't approve of bad language where women may hear it, but verisimilitude is essential in these experiments, so I am saddened to report that he refers to me as a prat, a plonker, and several more epithets far too vile to repeat. I complain both to the message board's moderator and Mr Zuckerberg himself. From the moderator, I receive word that no rules have been broken. From Mr Zuckerberg, I get no reply at all. This is all most disappointing, and I can only conclude that the Facebook is not for me. Somewhat irritatingly later that night, I suddenly remember that it was not, in fact, Horridge's or Sturridge's, but Therridge's Bakery that was replaced by Boots. Tuesday. Somewhat discouraged by my treatment at the hands of the Facebook, I nevertheless vow to continue and decide to try Instagram, which is apparently an application in which people put online pictures of their dinners in restaurants. Since I myself have religiously photographed every restaurant meal I've had since 1964, when there was an incident with a bad prawn in Edmonton, this is no hardship to me. I join and post several pictures from my Samsung, one of the paddock down the road, one of the church, and several of the shed from different angles and with different filters. In fact, I came up with my own filter, simply called Shed, which I have sent to Instagram in the hope that they will use it. I make several friends on Instagram, Simon from work, Mr Collins from down the road, the vicar, the previous vicar, Mr and Mrs Thrutt, and someone called Stormzy. Everything is going swimmingly until I receive a friend request from an unknown woman called Natalia37690 who says, and I quote, You seem nice big sexy man. I like nice big sexy man. I nice Russian girl Natalia. Maybe you take Natalia out to dinner, then we have big sexy fun, yes? XXX. Of course, I immediately delete my account and call the police. Wednesday. I decide to try Twitter which, I have heard, is an easy, unconfrontational space where one may say what one thinks without being judged for it. Unfortunately, this turns out not to be the case, and after signing up and making a few innocuous comments about Lenny Henry, I am banned for life. Thursday, YouTube, which seems to be much more my sort of thing. What the modern telly box has to offer is not always to the taste of Celia and myself with all this killing flea bag and whatever, so it is nice to immerse myself in a few old favourites. Upstairs, downstairs, the Foresight Saga, the Ballads of Wimpole Street, and, of course, Dixon of Doc Green. Marvellous stuff. Then I notice that there are these people who are alleged to make an enormous amount of money with their own YouTube channels. Owen Paul, Cutie Pie, and so on. Now, all these chaps seem to do is witter on about nothing in particular, so I reckon I could do better. Thus, I start my own YouTube channel, Fascinating Fred's Facts and Fancies. Episode 1, 28 Things You Didn't Know About Roll Plugs. 
Unfortunately, by the end of the week, I have no views and no subscribers. Friday. I sign up for Grindr, which appears to be an app for meeting like-minded individuals. I put myself down as a male middle-aged conservative voter, mustachioed, keen handyman, wishing to meet a male middle-aged conservative voter, mustachioed, keen handyman. And I must say, it's gone very well. I've made contact with a chap called Sydney, who sounds delightful, and next weekend we're going to meet up and have a look around Ingsham Moat, and then go back to his house where he's promised me a lot of fun, and said he's going to show me something exciting in his cellar, which I'm hoping is a hornby. So, to sum up, I would say that Grinder aside, which was delightful, I found social media to be a very unpleasant place indeed, and I should say that the author of this book is correct and that one should do one's very best to avoid it like the proverbial plague. Oh, one more thing. Instagram has a Twitter account. That's just weird, isn't it? This is Fred Jessen signing off. Goodbye. Thank you, Fred, and thank you to our musician, Santa Fartin Martin, who's just joined us in the library and is providing live stings. Very exciting. Well, that's the end of today's episode. So if you want to participate, you can simply go on Twitter and use the hashtag, the end of it, is it? And everyone will know what's going on. And that section was brought to you by the Co-op Supermarket. Cooperative rice at an uncooperative price. Thank you for that. Centre Parting Martin, that's very good. You used to be in a tribute band, didn't you, Centre Parting Martin? Yes, I was Jimmy Pretendrix. I used to wear a wig and spend anywhere up to six minutes of makeup. Oh, go on, play us a little bit if you like. Somewhere a king has no wife, and the wind cries, Mary! Thank you, Centre Parting Martin. What a rousing way to end today's episode. And I must say, one of the best things about Geron Lanier's book is that he advises you how to have a presence online without having to sell your soul or become a, a beephole. So, a very, very handy book. And at the front it says, if you want a happier life, a more just and peaceful world or merely the chance to think for yourself without being monitored and influenced by the richest corporations in history, then the best thing you can do for now is delete your social media accounts right now. You will almost certainly become a calmer and possibly nicer person in the process. There are highly recommended um, Geron Lanier's book, and I hope you've enjoyed our in-depth reviews in today's show. It's goodbye now from everyone here at Milton Library. I hope to hear from you next time. Goodbye. This episode of Wife on Earth is written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon. With music by Pat McLean, Glenn Richardson, and Head Love. Performed by Anna Crilly, Ben Crompton, Richard Dival, Alastair Kerr, Pat McLean, and Joanna Neri. This podcast was produced by Wife on Earth and is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. By the way, if you're still listening to this, I didn't manage to delete my Twitter account, but the book by Jaron Lania didn't work. <laughs>